0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: If you have your Bibles this evening, I'm going to ask you to join me in the book of Job, chapter 8. The book of Job, chapter 8. This particular passage of Scripture finds us kind of focusing on what we may call the plight of Job. And um, when you begin to read of those who we call Job's comforters, um, even if there was no ill intent, as Brother Riley said just a moment ago, even his friends at times sounded like enemies. And uh, so I want us to just look at this Three verses of scripture, and I'm not trying to take them out of context, but I do want to just draw something out of here that just just absolutely captured my attention late this afternoon, and I just trust that it will be a blessing to you. And so, my intention tonight is not to see how long or how short I can preach. I just want to say what the Lord laid on my heart today. I'll just share that with you, and then we'll let that settle in our heart, Job 8 and 9. These are the words of a man by the name of Bildad. Bildad, the scripture says, was a shoe height. And that's just for identification at the beginning of Job 8. But in verse number 9, this is what he said. For we are but of yesterday and know nothing, because our days upon the earth are a shadow. Shall not they teach thee and tell thee and utter words out of their heart? In verse 11, he asks another question that I want to answer tonight. He asks a dual question, but I want to answer them. Can the rush grow up without mire? Can the flag grow without water? And so this evening, my subject is very simple. My subject is this, the mire... Matters, the mire matters, and so if the Lord will help us and help me, I want the the Word of God to just pierce our heart and touch us right where we are. I say it a lot on Wednesdays; it's true any other time we gather together. But I have no idea what you had to go through to get here, but you're here, and so now let's let the Word of God do something in our lives. Amen. You may be seated in Jesus' name. These words of Bildad, who was just one of the voices among the ill-comforting agents of a man who was certainly without question caught in the throes of life. As a matter of fact, Job, for saint and sinner alike, has become the benchmark for trouble. You can find someone who knows very, very little about God, Very little about the word of God, but most people know a little bit about Job. And so you can find almost the most carnal person and they can tell you a little bit about Job and his suffering. We also know that in conjunction with a man suffering that there were several that came into his life as voices to somewhat speak to him. We call them Job's comforter. We say that sort of out of the side of our mouth because what many of them and most of them offer was not a lot of comfort at all. Although many of the things that Job, Job's friends shared in scriptural record are not necessarily doctrinally pure. A lot of the things they said were not accurate, but I think that what Bildad says here is very accurate, and I think, no matter what his intentions were, I think that there is some real truth that I want to draw from this, in this passage of scripture, a true or a, a true picture of man's existence and the and the nature of God's will. I really truly think can kind of come into focus tonight. And so, so Bill Dad asked a, an odd question. He said, "Can the rush?" grow up without mire, can the flag, which is essentially the same thing, grow without water? And so what Bildad is referring to here is something that Job did not have to scratch his head and ponder. Job knew exactly what this reference was. The rush, which is um, a papyrus type reed that grows along the banks of the Nile River, Or a flag, as some would refer to that. This reed grows up along the Nile River, and it was extremely versatile to the economy or the overall economy, and it had many, many purposes that the Egyptians used it for. Just to name a few, these rushes or these reeds could be woven together and used for various types of clothing. And so it was more than just a weed that was growing at the edge of the bank of of the river. It would not be uncommon for the roots of the reed to be pulled up and then dried out, and they could be used to fuel a fire. The ancient men would also take the the reeds, and they would weave them for sails for their ships. So now I want to just kind of pause here and not just give a bunch of bullet lists of what these things can be used for because I want us to think about how important these things are to everyday life. And so they could be woven together for clothing. And so that became very, very important to the everyday, to the every man, to the everyday life. Clothes. Everybody needs that. Fire for us today is not. All of that relevant, as a matter of fact, most of the time it's just a hobby. It would just be something we do if we want to roast marshmallows or hot dogs or something we want to do outside. But fuel or a fire in the times of we are speaking of was everything. This is how they heated. This is how they cooked. And so when we're talking about taking the roots of this reed and drying them for fuel in a fire, it was very, very important. When we talk about men who were able to Weave these reeds into fabric, not to just make clothes, but to even fabric strong enough to put a sail on a ship. This means a lot to the economy of Egypt because now they can take their, the merchants can take their wares to various other places to sell their wares. So now we have an economy that is now being fueled because somebody took the reed and now has woven it into the, the sail of a ship. It would not be uncommon for certain parts of the reed to even be used for human consumption, and so it was sustenance for the everyday man again. But I think where we really come, not that these other things are of no consequence, but where we, where we really come to the, the real heart of the matter is that the inner core of the reed could be cut into strips and could be dried, and that was from it was from that that the pi, pi, the, uh, the pyrus would be turned to what we refer to as paper. Amen. That's where we get the term. And so Job would have understood exactly what this question is. It just took us less than a second to read this question. Can can this reed grow without mire? Can the rush grow up without the mire? Can the reed or the flag grow without water? Doesn't take us but just a moment to read that, but Job understood the magnitude of what he was saying. That was, he was speaking of something that had now become one of the building blocks of their civilization. And again, I want to say that even though perhaps Bildad was not there for a necessarily an altogether good news meeting, he did stumble onto something that was a pearl of great price. He did ask a question that has an answer. And so if we just think about for a moment forgetting the importance of clothing, if we just forgot about the importance of even feeding our own hunger, if we set aside for just a moment the importance of that becoming a sale to move the merchants and merchandise from place to place, if we just think about how that this reed would be turned into paper that would become a scroll, that would be used to write down many, many things. I mean, every day our life is filled with paper. Amen. You think about for just a moment how many students, we've all been students, some are here tonight, that have learned about the history of our own nation and the history of our world because someone could use the paper or a scroll to write it down. As a matter of fact... <clears throat> There are very few daily transactions that do not require the use of paper. One day my wife asked me, she said, almost not really frustrated, but just in a little bit of a way, she said, you know, you've just got receipts laying everywhere. Why do you have so many receipts? I said, because I pay for stuff. <laughs> that's, that's why I have receipts. It's because I am the one that's been paying for this stuff. And so... Have you just noticed at the end of the day, it is with me, at the end of the day when you start emptying your pockets, you've got all this paper because it's a part of our life. Amen. the rush was truly a necessarily element in a growing society. Civilization could not have existed nor could it exist today without the value of recording and learning and attaining knowledge. The Egyptians advanced their understanding and to become a great world power of their day because in part, they were able to capture the laws and the dreams and the hopes of their fathers and this alone would help set the, tra- the, the trajectory for another generation because they could capture history and talk about where they have been to help another generation understand how important it is for you to understand where you're going. The Bible, the Bible itself is the product of Moses and prophets. We know that, that the scripture uh, was given to us by holy men as they were moved on by the Holy Spirit. But these men, these men were able to pick up some type of pen and papyrus, amen, to write down something, to record it for the ages. And because of that, I have a Bible open before me today. I've had one in my possession most all day. Amen. Studying its truths, considering the promises that are ours. And so it's very plain to see the illustration of this man. And to be sure, Job knew exactly what was being said to him. It should go without saying, without the rush, we would not have books, we would not have literature. We would not have history. We would not have the knowledge that we have today. We would be, in addition to not having world history, we would not even have the privilege of having such a biblical heritage without the papyrus reed, without this reed. The men of Job's day would have been illiterate without it. They would have been void of any societal possession. Nothing they could do would have brought anything to them. There would be no way to advance that to another generation as succinctly as they were able to do it if you could record something. And so without the rush, without this seeming insignificant plant that is growing in the Nile River, amen, there would be no civilization and that is something very important to consider. (laughs) However, there is a deeper issue that Job's friend truly brought to the surface. Because in verse number 11, he said, can the rush grow up without the mire? Now, as important as the rush is, uh, with all the things that I've named and all the things that have remained unnamed that we certainly could add to this list, as important as the rush is to the world that we live in, what Bill Dad stumbled on in a truth is that that I want to bring to the surface tonight and that is without the mire, we would not have the rush because down under the root and the fiber of a growing green rush, amen, that according to uh, what I read today can grow as high as six feet from the surface of the water is the mucky mire that it grows in and it's important to understand What the mire is consistent of. This dark black substance is not just insignificant because it is the end result of what we see. Amen, the mire. The mire is a substance that is made up of fermenting death of something that was once alive. The dark water of the Suwannee River that we all hold dear. I remember as a young man a field trip, going on a field trip to Stephen Foster Memorial Park and they dipped the glass down in the water and picked it up and and it really looked like a glass of tea when you put it up in a glass and not nearly as dark and murky as it appears at first glance But they told us then, and I always remember that its dark color was the tannic acid of the decaying and the rotting leaves and the things that had fallen into the river. And so with that thought in mind, that muck and that mire is the end result of something that was once alive that had died. But the death of that one thing was now given life to something else brand new. And the life that it was giving to this reed, the life that it was giving to this bush or to this plant was becoming an absolute cornerstone of their society, of their economy, of so many things it affected in their life. Amen, these things that have been soaked Things that have been crushed. Things that most people would say it's just rotting. It's, it's of no consequence. It is of no good. It is yesterday's news. But in truth, the mire matters. Because out of this rotting decay, out of this that has already gone, out of this that is already dead, mire, amen, the life is coming out of that mire. Something that had Died, is now giving life to something that has not yet lived. I just feel like the Lord wanted me to come to this pulpit tonight and answer this question. Can the rush grow up without the mire? Can there be clothes without the mire? Can there be food without the mire? Can there be Fabric for sails of ships to move merchandise across the water without the mire. Can there be anything without the mire? Can there be paper to write down our history? No. That is the ultimate answer. There can be none of the above without the mire. And so tonight with that, I tell you that everything great and everything beautiful, whether it is in nature or whether it is in the spirit realm, Is going to be rooted in some dark experience. Every magnificent spiritual happening has been born in the dark waters or a murky midnight somewhere. Amen. I promise you, long before someone is ever been elevated to any measure and used mightily of God, God has killed a few things in their life. And out of that mire, something God allowed something to be born that would be useful in the kingdom of God. So tonight, I am talking to people that know what it is like to smell the stench of something dying in your own life. But before you think God is just picking on you, I want to remind you that out of the mire, some very powerful and new and fresh things can grow that can not only affect you, but it can affect generations to come. Praise God. Can we clap our hands? God. Strong churches don't just happen. They're not, they're not, they don't just come up, they don't just uh, come up out of the vapor. Strong churches don't just they're not just born in the matter of a few days or months or even years, but strong churches are established through all the seasons that come its way. Seasons of plenty and seasons of lean. Times where it's been really easy and times where it's been very difficult, but it has been through the peaks and the valleys that a church's foundation began to get solidified enough to build for another generation and another generation and another generation. And so tonight, I can tell you that we can celebrate a lot of life around here, but we can also celebrate some things that have died in our lives, some things that have, that have, that have been snuffed out, so to speak. Mature saints just like mature churches they don't just sprout up from thin air when you find somebody that has a real walk with God they've got their mind made up and their feet planted on a rock they don't have some spiritual spoon in their lip they don't have some magical mystery uh, mystical dust that's been blown upon them no no you find anybody anywhere that has some substance to their walk with God you show me that person and I'll show you some one that knows how and what it's like to be connected to something in their life amen somewhere a hope or a dream had passed away but hear me tonight amen just because something crushed within me doesn't mean that god left me there but from that mire god is going to allow something to be born and i realize tonight that i may be speaking to some who are so low in the mire that you can't imagine anything good coming out of your circumstance or your situation hell may have you firmly convinced and life may have you firmly convinced that nothing good could ever come out of this but if I could just admonish you in the Lord tonight to just hold on to him and don't keep walking, don't stop walking forward don't stop serving him don't give up hope because from the mire something can be born from the mire something can be given life to that can change the destiny of many generations to come. Amen. I'm gonna tell you men and women that have substance have walked where angels fear to tread. They know what it's like to pray until they have exhausted their prayer vocabulary. People of substance are not born, but people of substance are developed. It's been high times and low times. It's been seasons of plenty and seasons of little. Time, circumstances, God, life, family, spiritual situations, natural situations, they all blended together to what some may offhandedly refer to, well, they're a real prayer warrior. Well, I'm gonna tell you, they didn't become a prayer warrior perhaps just because they had a proclivity to pray. They may have become a prayer warrior because so many things, Died in their life. So many things died in their spirit until God allowed something to be born out of that mire. We may say, oh, they're a preaching machine or they're a singing machine. Well, I'll promise you this. They didn't just adopt that title, but enough stuff did died in their life. Enough things died in their life prematurely and God said from that mire, from those disappointments and from those heartaches, I'm going to allow some life to come. Some life that's going to affect many things on many levels. As a matter of fact, our the entire redemptive plan of God all pivoted upon a rugged cross, rusty nails and a dying savior. I'm not trying to be dramatic this evening. But in the garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus cried, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? This was the mire. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. He died. He died to his own self. He died to his own will. Amen, the mire matters because from the mire, something was born. I'm gonna tell you that something that was born was the church that we're a part of today. Amen, before you think that I'm just speaking something negative tonight, please know this. One of the most powerful things in the entire world was born out of that mire. And I think we would all agree tonight, amen, that the most glorious thing in the world that ever happens in a person's life is when they're redeemed from their sin. I'm gonna tell you something tonight. I've got a lot of things to celebrate in my own life. I have a lot of things to celebrate. I've got a lot of anniversaries to celebrate. I've got a lot of special moments and special events to celebrate. But there's none that can compare with that August evening that I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And God put victory upon victory in my heart. Amen. You know what? There was something about that release from the bondage of sin and stepping into the liberty of a relationship with God. Nothing can compare with that. I remember the moment my wife and I said I do. I remember the very moment that our son came into this world. And those are all special occasions. But hear me tonight. Amen. The greatest thing that ever happened to me was when sin was remitted, hallelujah when my sin was forgiven and when that gulf that stood between me and God was closed up by his grace and mercy built a bridge, I remember the night, I remember the setting, I remember who was preaching, I can remember almost every detail about that night and so can you, why? Because we know that the moment that we died out to self the moment that we died out to our will, out of that mire out of that death God allowed something to be born in our lives we remember that experience amen why because it's the single most important moment in our life we talk about redemption with a gleam in our eye and rightly so we preach about the positive end result of Calvary and I don't ever want to stop doing that but I can never afford to forget that beneath the beauty of salvation, beneath the power and the wonder of the privilege to be able to repent of our sins and be water baptized in his name for the forgiveness of sins and then to be filled with his spirit to know that the law of God is no longer just written on tables of stone, but it is now written in the fleshly heart of man, my heart. Amen. Beneath all of that beauty, is the black mire of the cross that took the life in a bloody and brutal fashion of Jesus Christ, poured his blood. The nature of the church, amen, should never to just be to live for ourselves, But the nature of the church should be to bring life to those who have never lived. Amen, this is not about just me coming to church Wednesday to get a little fuel To make it back to Sunday. To get a little fuel to make it back to Wednesday. To get a little fuel to make it back to Sunday. Amen. But the nature of the church, the mission of the church, amen, is not to live for us, but it ought to be able to bring life to those that have never lived. But sadly, too many people are not channels through which God can flow. They just become cisterns to hold everything they can for themselves. Because if the enemy of our soul can keep us busy enough, worried about us here and now with all of the ills that we have to take care of, Amen, but I'm, I want you to know he understands it. If he, if he can cause us to get what we can out of this service tonight and reserve it for ourself and live on that until we get back here Sunday. He knows that if he can convince us to do that, he has stopped the power of the gospel. But if we can take what we need from this service tonight, amen, and let it sustain us, certainly, but I wanna take this to the world. I wanna let the world know that beneath all of this there is hope. Beneath whatever you're going through, God can bring something positive to your life. I'm gonna tell you tonight, many times, many times tragedies and things of that nature have brought people to the house of God, brought them to a place of repentance. I'm not being negative, I'm being honest. Amen, God used sometimes some things that shook people's life to the very core to wake them and shake them and make them realize my need of a Savior to help them understand their own mortality and so I'll tell you tonight that can the reed grow without the mire? No. Amen. Can anything positive happen without it? Absolutely not. And so before you curse the mire, hear this preacher tonight that tell you the mire matters. The things that have died in our life. God is not messing with us. He's preparing us. Amen. He is preparing us. A pitcher is not just used together water, or gather tea, or gather lemonade, but it's also used to pour out. That's the intention. It does hold. It will contain. It can seal, but that's not its intent. The Bible says we have this treasure in an earthen vessel, a vessel that can hold, a vessel that can seal, a vessel that can preserve, but that's not the intention. Amen, we are to get filled up, to pour out amen to pour out into somebody who does not know amen we we ought to come back here sunday empty but not because of our own peril and our own drama and our own of our own undoing but i need to come back sunday because i've been pouring out everything everywhere i go i've been telling everybody i can that there is hope for your life and there is hope for your circumstance and your situation amen and so we want to gather yes we want to gather but we want to pour out. I truly understand that it's a wonderful thing to hold and contain truth. God knows we need that. Amen, but it is not a progressive thing if we only hold truth. We can't just contain the truth. Amen, if we just contain the truth, there will be nothing left for spiritual posterity there will be nothing left for a tomorrow there will be nothing left for another generation I want to hold on to the truth of Deuteronomy here oh Israel the Lord our God is one I want to hold that with everything that I have but not seal it off so that I don't pour it out I want to hold it contain it I want it to soak into every fiber of who I am but I also want to pour that out everywhere I go I want to know Acts 2 I want to know the instances of Acts where the disciples baptized in his name and people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, evidence was speaking in other tongues. I want to know that and let it soak into my heart, but I don't want to just contain it and seal it. I want to pour it out to every generation. Pour it out. Praise God. The things that we're going through are not indicators that God is picking on. The things that we are encountering situations that have turned our world around is not an indicator that we're living in sin or that we have done something wrong. But it may be that God is wanting to take us to an absolute another level that we have never dared dream to experience in our life. I've quoted him often. Brother J.H. Osborne, a man who would know and is qualified to make this statement who says, I've heard him say on multiple occasions, God will never use you greatly before he wounds you deeply. Now, if we just take that out of context, someone could say, well, what kind of God are you serving? He's not a God that's into trying to snuff us out against the rock because he's on a power trip. But he's a God who understands the nature of mire if I can crush and kill enough, if I can mat and mold enough, if enough will rot right here, it'll give life here. Amen. God can use us. We should not live with our own ideals or just breathe for our own living. But the church was meant to be a part of the life and death of Jesus Christ. And so we are to be as one man said, sounds a little conflicting. He said, Christians ought, are to be living, dying people. Living, dying people. Paul said, crucified with Christ. Not only should the church offer newness of truth, but I believe that we must become the soil for something new to grow in. From the rich soil of the sacrifices of other people, We could talk about a few tangible things that would readily get our attention tonight. We could say from the sacrifices of people before us, we're able to sit in a beautiful building on padded pews with air conditioning in the summer and heat in the winter. We're able to have beautiful music and wonderful instruments and a nice PA system that is... That, is, that helps the message get to our, not our ear only, but to our heart. We could say those things and relate to that because all of that's pretty natural. But can I tell you that from the sacrifices of a generation before us, those that went through things that we, we will never know, only eternity will reveal some things that people in our own past have gone through that have brought us here today. And so I'll tell you that what we felt in this house Sunday morning and what we feel in this house tonight is not the end result of the last five years or the last 10 years or the last 30 years or the last 40 years, but it has been the cumulative effort of 70, almost 76 years of a congregation saying we're just gonna keep pressing. And, in, and even, though things may, even though things may die in our life and even though things may rot in our life and even though things may stink in our lives and smell in our lives from that mire, God is going to allow something to come to life. We hear a lot about, at least in, in some circles I suppose, we hear a lot about the composting process today. That composting process provides something fundamental for that. Something is dying in this compost pile because we want to take this and bring it over here to give life to something else. And so, from the death of this, from the rotting of this, from the mire of this, we're going to bring over here. And so, when somebody walks by and says, My, what a beautiful garden, or My, what a beautiful rose bush, or My, what a wonderful, what a beautiful plant, where did all that come from? We could really say, Death. Something died to give life to something else. Amen. And so this composting process, amen, that's the joy of his way because out of this, others grow. I'm thankful tonight to know that from my heartache and from my hurt, from my pain, God wasn't just rubbing his hands together saying, look, look, look. He's not twisted and demented. He's not picking on us. He's not picking on you. But God is taking something in our life that we thought meant everything. And he said, I'm going to crush this. But be patient because from this that I have crushed, I'm going to allow something magnificent to grow. Amen. Would you stand where you are this evening? I believe that we ought to process the word of God in our heart, not just hear it with our ear, but to process this in our spirit. Let the power of the hope of God's word forever remain, forever remain, amen. Sometimes we are, sometimes we're aware of where some things come from in our life, but most of the time, we're oblivious to the blessings and and really what served as the catalyst for it. Where did that anointing come from? Did that anointing come from just prayer, or just fasting? Did that anointing come from just the study of his word or giving yourself to your particular call in life? Or did some of that anointing come to us, some of that life come to us from something that God said, I'm going to take this and crush this, but it's just for a season because out of this I'm going to bring you something that you can't even imagine. The world will be pivoting upon this that I give you. Praise God. Would you make an altar where you stand? And could we ask the Lord tonight, right now, I'm asking you, Lord, to let this word, can you let it soak in our heart? Can you let it just flow through our life like the blood flows through our natural body? Can you allow this word to flow through our spirit man tonight? Would you let this word touch every fiber of our soul? And let the hope that we find in your word, even though we don't see it tonight, can we tuck this away? Can we hold on to this promise for perhaps a tomorrow that is yet to be born, that something new, something fresh would be born, something will spring forth from what you're doing in our life today, right now, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. We don't always see what God is doing. We don't always know the outcome. But I know if he is in control, he has my best interest in heart. He has your best interest at heart. Amen. May the Lord bless you. Don't forget, please pray about the services this weekend. We don't want to just come together and have church. We can do that. You know where the building is. (laughs) We we have a a doorknob. We can get in. We can have church. But let's have church. Let's let God speak to our heart. May the Lord bless you. Greet one another. Would you do it?
0: this message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church we pray that it's ministered to you in some way and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7:30 p.m. for any more information or to speak with our ministry staff please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.